True education is more than learning. It is human experience and neighborly love and elemental compassion as well. True intellect leads to more than concepts, it leads to reverence. The mind in its furthest reaches must transcend the cognitive and lead to a humble sense of wonder. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 237, The Tree of Life. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. Let us begin by pondering two brilliant writers that gave us two very different, terrifying visions of what society could become. First, there is 1984 by George Orwell, which highlights the threat of totalitarianism. And then there is the work of Aldous Huxley, whose book Brave New World gives us a very different picture of a society that is first and foremost dominated not by a totalitarian power, but by its own lapse into hedonism enhanced by technology so that members of society are ultimately dehumanized, no longer engaged in the complexities that make up the human life well-lived. Through several articles in National Review, I came upon an interesting quote from the writer Neil Postman, who said the following, quote, What Orwell feared were those who would ban books. What Huxley feared was that there would be no reason to ban a book, for there would be no one who wanted to read one. Orwell feared those who would deprive us of information. Huxley feared those who would give us so much that we would be reduced to passivity and egotism. Orwell feared that the truth would be concealed from us. Huxley feared the truth would be drowned in a sea of irrelevance. Orwell feared we would become a captive culture. Huxley feared we would become a trivial culture. End quote. Huxley, in other words, touches on a theme throughout the book of Proverbs how knowledge and technological achievement can lead to the desanctification of life itself. And this, in turn, should inspire us to ponder a metaphor about learning from the book of Proverbs that seeks to link knowledge and life. The second chapter of Proverbs re-emphasizes the theme of the first, that fear of God is essential for seeking wisdom. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Then, in chapter 3, we are given verses describing wisdom, verses that Jewish tradition applies to the Torah. Some of the sentences from this passage are well known as they are sung by many Jews today as the Torah is escorted back to the ark in a synagogue service. Verse 13. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. This last verse is well known. In Hebrew, Her ways, the ways of wisdom, meaning for Jewish tradition, the Torah, are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. Darche Shalom, the paths of peace, is a rabbinic phrase that originates from this verse in Proverbs, one which emphasizes that Jews must make kindness manifest in their lives, including toward those with whom they have little connection. As an example of this teaching of Darkei Shalom, Rabbi Sachs cites a story from 2002 
immediately following a horrific terror attack in Israel. He writes, quote, I had been interviewed for my reactions by the BBC. A few days later, I received a letter from a lady in Kent. This is what she wrote. Having listened to you on the radio today and hearing your concern for your people, I felt prompted to write you a letter of comfort. You see, I am a Gentile. I was born in 1943, and I met a Jewish woman who made a great difference in my life. I was then in my mid-twenties, the victim of a broken marriage and with a small son to care for. I was seeking employment in South London as a hairdresser to pay for our rooms and a childminder. The unemployment agency sent me to a salon. A large motherly woman greeted me at the interview. Her first words were, Are you in trouble, my dear? I was given employment in her salon. Then she offered to house us in the rooms above the shop, furnishing them with carpets and furniture from her own home. She thought, then she employed two girls from Leeds to share the flat and so reduce my rent. She also found a very kind childminder for my son. This Proverbs 31 lady also spoke wisdom into my life. I shall always remember her kindness. On the television news, we all saw the dreadful pictures of the bus destroyed in Jerusalem on the eve of the Sabbath. At the sight of the plated loaf lying in the dust, I felt as if a knife had gone through me as tears ran down my face. For the loaf represents family, unity, the common humanity we all share and which is oh so fragile. Please, Rabbi Sachs, accept an outstretched hand to you. Peace within your borders, comfort for your people, security within your walls. These are my prayers, end quote. Thus can one act of kindness reverberate profoundly. By our description of this Jewish woman as a Proverbs 31 lady, the writer from Kent was alluding to the book's description of a woman of valor, which we shall study in a later lecture. But this Jewish woman, as Rabbi Sachs notes, truly reflected the spirit of the way our verse in the third chapter of Proverbs is understood by Jewish tradition, which is that we must illustrate how the Torah inspires us in the way we live our lives. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. What does it mean to say that the Torah makes itself manifest in the way that we relate to others? Rabbi Sachs has his own lengthy reflection on this subject, but I would like to offer an approach that is based on the next verse in Proverbs, joined with an interpretation of that next verse by my teacher, Rabbi Norman Lamb. Proverbs tells us that the Torah's ways are ways of pleasantness, and then the book continues its description of wisdom of the Torah by giving us a verse that is even more famous, even more well-known to those familiar with traditional Jewish liturgy. Speaking of wisdom, speaking of the Torah, Proverbs continues, It is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon it, and happy is everyone that retaineth it. The Torah, we are told, is a tree of life. To refer to the wisdom of the Torah as a tree of life is to immediately refer us back to the story of the Garden of Eden, which contained the forbidden tree of knowledge, as well as a separate tree of life. A fascinating interpretation of this verse can be found in one of the great speeches of Rabbi Lamb's career, delivered at his installation as president of Yeshiva University. Speaking of the role of universities in America, Rabbi Lamb reflected that, quote, Perhaps our crucial problem today is not the absence of education, but on the contrary, its growth without spiritual directions and ethical dimensions. The disparity between, on the one hand, man's technological progress, made possible by his accelerated accumulation of knowledge, and on the other hand, his moral stagnation, goes back to the biblical tale of the Tower of Babel, those primitive builders who knew everything about bricks and mortar, but nothing about heart and sensitivity and people. That condition still obtains. Time has only exacerbated it. And we are only eight years away from 1984, 
the target date set for us by that modern prophet of doom, George Orwell, end quote. Thus does Rabbi Lamb in the 1970s take note of the warning of Orwell's 1984. But then Rabbi Lamb's reflections take a Huxleyan turn. This is what he says, quote, This disjunctiveness between technology and morality, between know-how and know-what, between education and ethical deterrence, is reflected in an agonizing existential paradox of contemporary man, a tremendous feeling of self-sufficiency and power, accompanied by a growing awareness of his own triviality, his marginality, his insignificance. The more powerful he becomes, the more impotent he feels, and the more self-contempt he develops. The more he takes things in his own hands, the more he comes to believe that he possesses nothing but things and is nothing but hands. Man becomes his own tools, heartless, soulless, pitiless, and ultimately even mindless. The philosopher Santayana wrote that men have come to power who, having no stomach for the ultimate, borrow themselves downward toward the primitive. End quote. So Rabbi Lamb said, and this, he further argued, is what Jews inspired by the Torah must avoid. And though Rabbi Lamb does not cite the verse in Proverbs that the Torah's ways are ways of pleasantness, he does examine the very next verse, which tells us that the wisdom of the Torah is a tree of life. It is striking, Rabbi Lamb reflected, that though Torah study is an incredibly intellectually demanding pursuit, the Torah is still known as a tree of life rather than a tree of knowledge. The reason, he suggested, is that the Bible wishes to teach us the Jewish perspective toward the act of learning itself. Rabbi Lamb continued, quote, But Judaism has taught all of us, Jews and non-Jews alike, that even when learning is pursued for its own sake, intellectually, it must never become an absolute unrelated to moral dimensions. One must learn in order to do. And even if he learns for the sake of learning itself, it must be the kind of learning which makes him a different and better human being. King Solomon referred to Torah, the repository of Jewish teaching, as a tree of life to them who take hold of it. Note, Rabbi Lamb continued, that the famed king, whose wisdom was legendary despite his lack of an earned doctorate, chose as the symbol of learning only one of the two trees that grew in the middle of the Garden of Eden, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge. Surprisingly, he equated Torah, essentially an intellectual pursuit, with the tree of life rather than that of knowledge. For true Torah is more than knowledge, it is life. True education is more than learning. It is human experience and neighborly love and elemental compassion as well. True intellect leads to more than concepts, it leads to reverence. The mind in its furthest reaches must transcend the cognitive and lead to a humble sense of wonder. End quote. This, of course, is in sync with the message of Proverbs till now, that the beginning of wisdom and knowledge is awe of God. And Rabbi Lamb's words also allow us to appreciate what it means when we are told that the Torah's ways are paths of pleasantness and peace, because in Rabbi Lamb's words, true Torah is more than knowledge, it is life. True education is more than learning, it is human experience and neighborly love and elemental compassion as well. Rabbi Lamb then emphasizes his point by turning to the tree of life in a striking way. He continued, quote, that learning must be more than knowledge, that it must enhance life, was expressed in a startlingly poignant way by the Zohar, source book of Jewish mysticism. The biblical tree of knowledge, it taught, possessed within it yet another tree, in Aramaic, Ilana de Mata, the tree of death. When man combines knowledge and life, he is capable of suppressing the tree of death. But if he pursues knowledge alone, unconcerned with the tree of life, with human compassion and love and gentleness, he thereby releases the noxious tree of death in all its many and ugly manifestations. Our generation, Rabbi Lamb continued, has repeated the mistake of Adam and Eve. We have learned nothing from our primordial forebears, 
We have blithely ignored the tree of life and passionately bitten into the fruit of the tree of knowledge. But the fruit is poisoned with the tree of death. Within the contours of the tree of knowledge, science and technology and even philosophy and art and literature, there has taken shape the dreaded tree of death with its variety of deadly fruit, nuclear disaster, ecological cataclysm, genetic manipulation for sinister purposes, art and literature at the service of pornography and propaganda. The Zohar's insight is the anticipation of Huxley's brave new world, a paradise turned into a hell, end quote. Thus did both Huxley and Orwell appear in Rabbi Lamb's installation address. And building on these citations, he sought to express to his audience what the mission of an institution called Yeshiva University ought to be. Quote, Education, then, must always strive for more than an arrogantly unresponsive quest for information or facts or knowledge alone. It must be concerned with the quality and dignity of human life. It is this enduring principle which is embodied in Yeshiva University and which I suggest is worthy of consideration by a wider audience. Study for its own sake, not corrupted by base motivation and cheap commercialization, but also not study which ignores human dignity and morality and the quality of life, the life of the mind, which avoids the extremes of intellectual sacrilege and academic idolatry. End quote. Strikingly, Rabbi Lamb's speech parallels one given by the late Justice Antonin Scalia at a commencement of Catholic University wherein Justice Scalia also sought to express to the graduates how learning, knowledge, must be utilized to morally and spiritually enhance life. To make this point, Justice Scalia cited John Henry Newman. Here are some of the lines from Newman that he said, It is well to be a gentleman. It is well to have a cultivated intellect, a delicate taste, a candid, equitable, dispassionate mind, a noble and courteous bearing in the conduct of life. These are the co-natural qualities of a large knowledge. They are the objects of a university. I am advocating. I shall illustrate and insist upon them. But still I repeat, they are no guarantee for sanctity or even for conscientiousness. They may attach to the man of the world, to the profligate, to the heartless. Quarry the granite rock with razors or moor the vessel with a thread of silk. Then may you hope with such keen and delicate instruments as human knowledge and human reason to contend against those giants, the passion and the pride of man. So Newman said, and we can cite Proverbs. It is a tree of life to all those that hold on to it. If I can paraphrase the wonderful letter that was sent from the woman in Kent to Rabbi Sachs, when it comes to education, we must all be Proverbs 3 people. May we be inspired by the Torah to utilize learning and sanctifying life and to knit lives more closely together. This is Mayor Soloveitchik. Looking forward to learning together tomorrow. Signing off.